It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, powered by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. And we have spent this entire week here on Locked On Thunder talking about the NBA's Disney World plan, what it means for the NBA on Monday, what it means for just the Thunder on Tuesday. And today, let's talk to the man that broke the story Mr. Disney himself, Keith Smith. Keith, I think your new, new nickname should be The Mick because you've been breaking this story really since <laughs> the season got suspended. And if, if I'm Mr. Disney, I, I want a much nicer house and upgrade a couple other things around here. But, but I, I appreciate those kind words. I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, if you keep breaking stories like this, that, that nice house is going to be afforded to you pretty quickly. <laughs> but I just want yeah, to line. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to start with your story because I think it is interesting. How are you so plugged in with Disney and how did you know that this could be a possibility literally days after the season was suspended? Well, so basically did the, genesis of how it all came together was i worked for disney for nearly 20 years um i started there as an intern while i was in college went back finished school came back uh as an intern again and then worked my way up through the company from there i uh, started doing the basketball stuff as a part-time fun thing on the side to do and just uh kind of like a lot of us i had a lot of thoughts about about the nba and uh, fortunately real gm was the first place to give me a, a, a venue to put those out there for people to to read and see and all that and and i was you know having a lot of fun and as that continued to grow it really grew into a second full-time job and it was starting to become one of those things where i was trying to really balance things and do the best i could very poorly uh, i will say my time management skills were not great with that and it was a lot of uh, long nights and sleepless nights at times and then using all my vacation time from disney to go to things like summer league and the like and in that so that, that that part was a little bit tough and in uh, exactly three weeks before the season went on pause i left disney after 20 years to cover the nba full-time 
time. I had finally pieced together enough freelance and part-time work that I could make it work. And my uh, timing is nothing if not impeccable with that. So, so the season went on pause. And then from there, as far as the idea came together, initially, if you remember, right, we all thought this was going to be a couple weeks. It was like, all right, we're going to shut down for a couple weeks. We'll, we'll come back and I'll be fine. And then when it started to stretch and it was clear, this is going to not just be a couple weeks. This is going to be a while. There started to be all this talk of single sites and crazy things like cruise ships and play on private islands and all this, you know, things that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I kept going back to, man, if you're going to do a single site, Disney has all these hotels sitting open that are completely empty because they're closed. And then you've got the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex, which has all the venues. It's all broadcast ready. It's ready to go. And most importantly, Disney's private property. So they can kind of close down what they need to, control things, access in and out, and all those things easier than a lot of other places. Whenever I say easy in this conversation, I mean with relative ease because none of this is easy. So from there, that's where it all kind of came together for me. And then that's when we decided at Yahoo, let's put this on paper and get out to the world so it is where it's very impressive that you were able to figure out and piece together all of this stuff especially with your connections to disney but i think the hardest question i'll ask you this entire interview is just to summarize this plan as it stands right now what what would you say the gist of this plan is and it seems like within minutes we get new reports of maybe they'll do this or that with the nba but as it stands right now if i asked you to summarize this plan what would you say yeah, well, what I'll stick to here is more of the logistics of being at Disney versus the, the schedule stuff, because that is all, I mean, that is all over the place as far as regular season, just playoffs, playing tournament, World Cup style. There, There's, you know, you're exactly right. Every time you, you know, refresh Twitter, there's a new report out there and you're kind of like, all right, I guess that kind of makes sense. But logistically, let's think of it this way. The NBA brings whatever number of teams they decide on, whether that's all 30, it's just the playoff teams, or it's something in between to Florida. It's looking like, just kind of doing again some of my Disney detective work here. Uh, I, I guess you'd call me the great mouse detective on that one. Um, you can you can see that Coronado Springs is they there there's no bookings available for the month of July so that's starting to tell me that could be the hotel where they are going to house the league um that one is is a really good fit for the NBA one it's a pretty straight shot to the sports complex which would be the basketball hub and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second but the uh the Coronado Springs Resort is Disney's prime convention hotel. They just opened within the last year this uh, really beautiful tower um, section of that hotel, which is, is great. It's all to attract high-end convention business. So that is really important there. And then what you have as you get into it with um, with the rest of the hotel is it's got over 220,000 square feet of convention space. And that's really important because you can set up meeting rooms in there. You can set up media rooms in there if you need to have those. You can set up even workout spaces, not not necessarily basketball courts, but, but workout facilities if you need to build you know temporary weight rooms and gyms and, and the like for these teams. And then there's obviously all the dining you would ever need. You could even set up dining facilities in the convention center if if you need to that's something disney does on a regular basis so so i don't have any um you know uh, thoughts around just kind of piecing that together that, that could be you know where they go if not there there's you know disney has over 30 hotels on property well in abundance of 20,000 hotel rooms so they can definitely take these these uh teams in with with very little issue as far as housing them 
then then the sports complex comes in pretty big that's that's where you know i thought that set disney aside as well from some of these other places because we're hearing things like well las vegas would use these convention centers and they'd convert them into basketball facilities and that and i just kept thinking well disney's already got basketball facilities that that you know makes sense there's three primary arenas at the sports complex the first is the hp Fieldhouse. that one is I think of it like a um, mid-major college gymnasium seats about 5,000 people. Now that won't matter because there won't be any fans, but if you're just kind of trying to, you know, think of size, um, something, something around that size is, is what, what that's like. And that is the home to the advocate invitational every year. That's a high level NCAA basketball tournament that's held over Thanksgiving week, multiple NCAA tournament teams are in it every year. Usually a handful of ranked teams are in that tournament as well. Then you have the, uh, the arena, that's just what it's called. It doesn't have a sponsor, but the arena is, um, was primarily built for cheer and dance competitions, but it can be set up to, be again a game arena if need be for basketball they've they've had as many as three courts set up there in there at a time and they could set that up again with really one court arena style and have it set up for what the NBA needs so that's kind of your two game courts because I think having two live game courts available at a time is important for what they're trying to pull off here we often see in the playoffs that there's multiple playoff games being played at once and I think that's something that's really important to the NBA is to be able to play multiple games games at the same time and then the last arena there is called the visa center and the visa center i liken it akin to an airplane hangar it's this big wide open space multi-purpose space can be set up any different way you really need it to be and i've been in there where they've had 12 to 15 courts set up at a time for the junior nba world championships aau championships and the like so they that my thought is you set up you know maybe six seven courts in there partition them off put up dividers privacy walls whatever you need be and those kind of become your practice practice court. So I think that's, you know, that part of it, they're all broadcast ready and ready to go. Um, and then other kind of key pieces to, to it. We talked about the private property aspect. Uh, the governor here in Florida is, has deemed pro sports as essential services. So that part is easily removed from the equation. And then Disney and the NBA have a fantastic relationship. ESPN ABC is one of the largest broadcast partners that they have. They, they cover more games than anybody else does on a national level. They also have the rights to the NBA finals and then Bob Iger and uh, Adam Silver have great mutual admiration and friendship with each other that makes putting something this large of an endeavor together that much easier and also they have the ability with um or excuse me, uh, Bob Iger and Chris Paul, the president of the Players Association, have a really great relationship. Chris Paul has talked about how he considers Bob Iger to be one of his mentors. So I think anytime those relationships are already in place, that makes something like this, which is really, really difficult to do, much, much easier. So I wanted to quickly go back to the hotel thing because there's some reports coming out. And I want to know if you know what what is Disney doing in preparation for this possibility? Because they, they've talked and there's some vague reports about you know, getting hotels ready and things like that. Is that just clearing out reservations or is that doing some alterations to the hotel themselves? Yeah, so there's there's no there's no reservations there right now. That's the the kind of important part to I think really know to to initially as you look at this is uh, Walt Disney World right now is empty. Um, they they have uh, you know taken those reservations now. There may have been reservations booked in July, August, September, but that's nothing that Disney couldn't work around. Unfortunately, part of being in the um, the uh, hospitality industry which is a big chunk of what we do here at Walt Disney World is they 
they do occasionally have to close down um, hotels, sometimes the whole thing, sometimes it's sections, sometimes it's only rooms. And then what they do is they, they make sure they take care of the guests and generally send them to a more upscale resort or something on a comparable level. So that part's not too bad. One of the things that I was told was there's already project teams and people working on, or what is it the NBA needs? How do we start to configure this together to get it set up for them? And I think that's something that you're looking at because it is a little bit of a different um, uh, setup than it would be, you know, if you and I went on vacation there, uh, the NBA needs a little bit different. These guys tend to be, you know, a little bit taller than at least me uh, for certain, <laughs> you know, so, so I th think you, you know, might be looking at a little bit of different furniture configurations and the like, but again, these are things that Disney does and does, you know, fairly well. Speaking of things that are done well, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best protein bar. It is done extremely well because it's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, save $10 off your first order. My favorite is any flavor that has peanut butter in it because the peanut butter and the chocolate just taste phenomenal. But I also love the banana nut bread, and there's some brand new flavors out there right now for you to go look through at BuiltBar.com. Again, it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar for 110 calories, low carb, low sugar, great for pre-workout, post-workout, or even just replacing a meal. So I cannot recommend Built Bar enough. Go check out BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN to save $10 off your first order. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So one thing that's being said a lot whenever we discuss this basketball sense of, of do, do we have all three teams return or not is the fact that people are saying, hey, you need to get in and you need to get out. You need to play these games and you can't risk having 30 people there, you know, 30 teams there. If that's the case, you know, if we're testing and isolating and we still feel like we need to get in and get out, are we returning to sports too soon? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that I necessarily have the answer to that beyond the NBA would not be doing this if they didn't feel like they could do it safely. Adam Silver, from all reports, immediately said, we don't feel like this is the right thing to do. Let's call it right now, and then let's move into the um, – planning for next season. What does that look like? And, and everybody was in agreement of, no, we think we can do this safely. We can do this safely. We can do it without taking uh, testing capabilities away from the immediate area that we're going to, um, which is, you know, another important component here in central Florida. Uh, we have fortunately been extremely lucky that we have not been hit as hard by this virus as a lot of other areas and testing is widely available. I know people who have gone and gotten tested and didn't have any real issue with getting the testing done. Now, I know that's not the case a lot of other places in the country, but that is the case here. Now, I think, you know, as far as is it too early? I don't think so. In my personal opinion, if you can do this safely without, you know, any, any real risk beyond what is, you know, the kind of inherent risk, because there's always that, then you might as well soldier forward because, you know, this is what people do. This is their jobs. And I think that becomes really important. Yeah, that's my biggest thing is that if they are going to have all three teams back, I, I trust that it will be appropriate and it will be safe as as safe as it can be for those 30 30 teams I don't think that you're gonna have to get in and get out as quickly as some people do because I think that if you are isolating and testing and taking those proper precautions that 
what's the difference in having 12 teams there versus or 16 teams there versus 30 teams uh, in the grand scheme of things, if you are isolating everything like that. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, what would be the dream scenario from the NBA? Like if, if you were a fly on the wall in Adam Silver's conferences, what would he want to have happen here? Well, I think the dream, dream scenario would be, be bring everybody back, even though it's in a single site, you pick up the schedule right where it left off as best you could. And you play this thing out, get to 82 games and then get into the playoffs. That is all but been taken off the table. There's just not enough time to make that happen. Um, unless you're really going to stretch this season deep into the fall. And that doesn't seem something the NBA is overly interested in. So I think there's two components here. I think they want to, if they can, they want to hit the 70 game marker for every team because then that allows them to fulfill those regional sports contracts. That's, that's a lot of money that's not going to be coming in to the league otherwise if they're not um, uh, able to do that. So I think that is really, really important that that's where they get to and that's what they're able to do. Now on the flip side of that is there are teams that are our season's over. Like, well, what, what are we doing here? But that seems to be more coming from the front office and coaching standpoint than it does from the players and the um, ownership side. Those, those sides seem a little more, hey, there's a pretty big financial stake here. We, we need that money. I, I can tell you, I talked to one player who he's on a minimum contract. He's in his first year in the league. His team is a non-playoff team. And he is very much of the mindset of, this might be my only year in the NBA. I want to make as much money as I possibly can. I want to come back and play. Um, now, they do, now, if you can't do that, then it's just get right into the playoffs and be able to do the playoffs as um, uh, traditional, at least lengthwise, is what we usually see, which is seven-game series in each round. Adam Silver believes you run that gauntlet of seven-game series. Whoever comes out as a champion, you can feel good that the best team won. How is the relationship between the NBA and the regional sports networks as far as you know? Is, is there a chance that even if these teams can't play 70 games, that given the circumstances, that the regional sports networks might just go ahead and pay out the contract? Yeah, so here's where that gets really interesting. The league itself, as an entity, doesn't have a lot to say in that. That is um, really team by team. That's how that's um, really handled. But though they're, the, the league will assist and they will help if need be. And if it need be, you know, hey, you can uh, simulcast this game that's also on ESPN to help fulfill that because that gets you there. Then let's just do that and move forward with this. And I think that is something that is um, you know really important to note here. So the relationship are good they're strong they're they're good partners it, it's really a, you scratch my back I scratch yours well you know rising tide lifts all boats we're going to make a lot of money together on this so let's try to figure out a workable solution and you've been very clear that Disney really wants this to happen as well that this this Walt Disney World plan do they have a dream scenario in all of this do they have something that that they really want to have happen or are they just along for the ride and want to help any way they can no, that's a great question. I think for Disney, there's a couple components here that are at play. One is for the ESPN by World of Sports Complex itself. They just lost their longest term tenant and was their final professional sports tenant when the Atlanta Braves left. The, the Braves had been there since the complex had opened. That's where they had hosted spring training each year. And then the Braves built their own facility and, and moved away. So that was the end of really Disney's uh, relationship with professional teams. And that's something that they would 
love to get back. They've had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers host training camp there in the past. The Orlando Magic did their training camp there a couple years. They had the NBA Draft Combine before it was moved permanently to Chicago. So they would love to get back in. They What I was told is this is their shot to prove, hey, we can do something like this, something on this large of a scale, and it's huge, and we can help pull this off. And that opens doors for the future, whether it be teams or if the league is serious about this midseason tournament or the like. You know, wouldn't you love to say, hey, we're hosting our midseason tournament at Disney. Everybody head off to Florida in January when it's cold and, you know, 90% of our markets. We're all going to head off there where it's warm. Come down and join us. We'll sell a bunch of tickets and, and off we go. And I think that's something that's in it for Disney. Beyond that part of it, there's also a marketing play here for Disney. I know The Athletic did an article that I believe came out this morning on, uh, what's today, Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday uh, morning. It um, came out and it was about how, you know, Disney basically will say to the world, hey, if it was safe enough for the NBA, safe enough for you to come too. And I think there is a piece of, of that as well. And, and it really turns into a nightly commercial for Disney because you're going to continually hear live from, you know, ESPN, Wide World of Sports at Walt Disney World. And there, you know, there's going to be a lot of footage, you know, filmed in the area and that. And one of the things that's, I think, important to note with Disney is 2021 is shaping up to be a really big year for Walt Disney World. It's the 50th anniversary of the property opening. Um, that year was set to be, you know, a big blowout celebration and all these great plans and a lot of fun things happening. So if you can get, you know, almost a full year's lead up leading up to that, of you know almost free advertising because you're hosting the nba you better believe they'll take it and run with it so if adam silver called you right now today and he said keith i can't figure this out with everything that you know with all the plans that you've heard what would you advise adam silver to do what would you have the nba do if this decision was in your hands do you bring them back for the regular season do you do a one through 16 do you do the play-in tournaments what would you do if you're if this is your decision to make yeah, first I would say, Adam, I need to be on staff. I need a check out of this. So so that's where we'd go first. But after that, you know, my, my I was initially a bring all 30, you know, get everybody to the 70 game marker. I, I'm really starting to understand why that doesn't make a lot of sense. I am more now of the mindset of take those five teams that were really in play in the Western Conference, the uh, the, the Grizzlies hold the eighth spot right now, but the Trailblazers, Kings, Pelicans, and Spurs were all, you know, within uh, striking distance of making it. Bring them in, play a mini little, you know, round-robin tournament for that last spot, while the other teams, maybe they just kind of do preseason-ish scrimmages against each other to get their wind up. And then you move into the playoffs. I, I'm, I'm at the point where I just want the traditional East versus West um, brackets where it's not all mixed and it's 1-16. to 16. Play that out full seven game series and let this go I've really I was looking forward to this playoff so much because there was no inevitability of the Warriors kind of hanging over this for everybody so I was really looking at there's so many fun matchups you know and I know a lot of people well the first round stinks anyway well you know what if you do one to 16 first round's gonna stink anyway you know those teams that are at the bottom they're at the bottom for a reason they're probably gonna get blitzed and it won't matter so I was looking forward to you know once you get into those second rounds it was you could have talked me in a seven eight teams reasonably have a chance to win this if all breaks right so that's where I'm leaning towards the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So today there was a lot of talk on Twitter. You know, yesterday it was the 1 through 16, and today we get our new story, and it's the group stage. Can you explain that to me and to everyone who's not really a big – I know this is huge in <laughs> soccer – Sure. What is the group stage? How would it work? And why is the NBA even considering this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting proposal. I love the creativity behind it. I think it would be, you know, a fun thing to consider. I absolutely hate it. I, I hope they don't do it, but, but I will uh, do my best to explain it. Despite that, I think what you're looking at on the group stage is you, you would take the teams, you would slot them into five buckets and there would be four groups of five teams apiece that would play uh, round robin style two games against everybody so eight games total that also fits into help get to that 70 game marker for these um, other teams that aren't there so you would only take the 20 teams the 16 that are currently in the playoffs and then those other four west Con- western conference teams that were in the mix and and you're really slotting them by by regular season standings first so you're not there's no way in the same group you're gonna have the bucks and the lakers the two top records in the league and then once the the groups are kind of played through the top two teams in each group advance into the playoff style and that's where you go into your kind of traditional playoff rounds you get it down to those eight teams left and then that's your uh your your rounds of playoffs from there so it, it's it's an interesting proposal i really don't like it because i think it completely negates everything these teams played for in the regular season to play you know a handful of games and then be be out again without having a real shot at the playoffs i don't know that i love it i think there's too much um uh, randomness that comes in with the groups you could get these groups really mixed up in a way that that I think teams that played really well in the regular season aren't going to feel too good about it so I would you know much prefer let's just do the traditional route versus this but but it's something that's out there and it's under consideration another big talk is just the asterisks next to this champion and in my opinion the asterisks if, if the Lakers or the Raptors or the Bucks or the Clippers if they win the championship we're going to realize this was a a legitimate champion, but how do you view this championship? And are you like me? We just got to wait and see how it unplays, how it unfolds. Yeah. There's, so there's a couple things. One, I tend to believe the asterisk is only going to be, if you didn't like who won it, you're going to be, well, they weren't worthy um, with that. I I think, you know, I go back and I've asked people this directly because it's just like a lockout season. Well, what were the lockout seasons who, who won that year? Well, I don't really remember. Well, then there's no asterisk because otherwise you'd remember it, you know, clearly. And that's where, you know, I kind of tend to to ignore, you know, that kind of talk for, for the most part because I just, I don't believe it. And I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Now, where I do think that could come in is if, you know, what if we get here and an entire team gets sick? And then they have to leave the competition. Well, that could you know really throw things for a loop. And what does that look like? And I assume the league is that's part of what their you know logistical planning is right now is or what do we do? Because they've said if one player gets sick, we're not shutting it down. You're going to treat it like an injury, and you're going to move on. And that guy's out for however long it takes, and then then we'll move on to to. You know, and if he can come back, great. If he can't, then he can, you go. But I think it's easy if it's one or two players. If it starts to turn into, you know, an entire roster of players, that's where really you got to start to wonder, all right, well, what is the plan at that point? But I think that's a big part of the, you know, you get them in healthy, you test them regularly. They're not allowed to, you know, 
freely just up and leave and, you know, run off to Tampa or Miami or all the other destinations that people are mentioning, which I think when people say those things, they think that's a, you know, shoot across the street idea versus, you know, our car rides and trips away. Um, but but you, you keep them there and you, you get them there healthy, you test them repeatedly and you, you keep them healthy. So I don't know that that's a huge concern, but, but yeah, it, it is interesting to hear the way people are talking about the asterisk talk because I think that's the only way it really truly enters in for me. Yeah, I, I think especially if it's just one or two players, no matter really the star part, because you look at even the Thunder that year that Patrick Beverly just destroyed Westbrook's knee, they were a great team. They're the one seed. I mean, they were the, the title favorites and no one has an asterisk next to that that, that yeah. season at all. So exactly. it, unless a whole team gets wiped off, like you're saying, I don't see this being as big of a deal. But no, I'm with you. Like, like look, look at last year's finals, and I apologize mm-hmm. for interrupting, but but the you know the Warriors they lost Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson in the middle of the finals. Nobody goes back and says, well, you know, the Raptors didn't really win. It was only because the Warriors lost two key guys. Are we going to do that here? I mean, again, I think it'll come down to well, yeah, if you don't like who wins, sure, that's going to be what you throw out there. But I think for the vast majority of fans, it's going to be you know what everybody was in the same boat. We played this out from the same exact place. Let's just move on. This counts just as much as it counts for anybody else. Yeah, I think one aspect of this that, that people are kind of overblowing with in terms of the asterisks is, well, what if a team gets hot and just goes on an amazing run here? On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most likely, what would you put the chances of like a, a 5 through 8 seed just going on this magical run to the finals compared uh, to like every other year? What was most likely was like 10 was yes. most likely. I would say 2 or 3. I think, you know, unless we really get back to a point where one of these, you know, the teams come back and they are, uh, they're one of the top seeds is really, really out of shape and they look absolutely horrible. Then maybe, I guess maybe a team like Philadelphia could do that. They're in the sixth seed in the East right now. And they were considered to be a finals contender and they've, continually told us all year it's not about the regular season for us it's about the playoffs they they were horrible away from away from home um all season long so that's kind of interesting they're not going to play a single home game here so maybe they're a team that could you know if they can pull it together and go it may make a run you could see that but that's more about them as a team than it is just kind of getting hot in the right environment here yeah, i just don't see it you know a team you know coming in and pulling us off because again i'm going to assume most of these teams are in pretty good shape um, and that's the reports from everything I'm hearing is everybody looks pretty good and they're going to get back and they're, you know, it might take a game or two and you might see, you know, maybe the lower seeds take, you know, go to six or seven games in the first round versus being out in four or five. And, you know, that could be what we see happen, but I just don't see a ton of upsets or a team, you know, really running this together and making that big run. We just don't generally see that in the NBA anyway. It, you know, they might pull off an upset of a round or so, but the, you know, the basis of the seven game series is it usually is the better team wins in the end. So I wanted to piggyback on that for a second. You mentioned the Sixers road record. And once we finally do have a plan, and we finally know what's going to happen in the NBA, obviously, you know, us in the media are going to turn into just predicting games and predicting how this is going to unfold, and we're going to be back to normal. How would you go about predicting these games? Are you going to use that road record like some will? Because to me, you know, yeah, they're, they're not going to play a single home game, but no one's going to play a road game either. This is going to be a totally new environment. They're going to have time to adjust to this environment. And I think that the road records are not going to be as big of a deal to me to predict who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. Yeah. There's, 
there's definitely something to that. I think you make it more about as you're kind of going in there and you're absolutely right. We'll just all start to make predictions on series and lengths of series and the like. And so there is some of that there where I think you take it all out of the mix and it just becomes about the matchups and how do these two teams match up with each other. And that's, you know, really all that matters because you're not looking at it. Well, yeah, you know, I can see these guys, they're, they're not quite as good, but they'll get one or two at home. Well, that comes out of the mix. But I do think there are a handful of teams this year that their their home road splits are so drastic. Miami and Philadelphia, the two that really come to mind, that maybe there is just something different about their home crowd lifting them up that really makes them a much much better team at home. And maybe they will be missing that. And that that I think out. I'll put a little bit of weight on that, but it's really more so than ever. It's just going to be about the matchups and about the basketball. So have you heard a plan, you know, technically speaking about crowd noise or music being played or what's going to happen just on the court? Like once we get back to basketball, are they going to pump in crowd noise or anything like that? Yeah, I haven't heard anything specific. I do know that they're kind of monitoring what's going on with the Bundesliga over there in Germany, the soccer league, as they're coming back with the crowd noise. But everything I understand is that the players can't hear that. That's on the broadcast only, um, as far as I know. So I think what they're really looking at there is um, – you know, we're, we're not too, you know, worried about, about the, uh, the idea of, you know, what the players will hear. Now I know myself as a basketball fan and a lot of other people are really pushing, they need to just let us hear everything that's said on the court. I, mm-hmm. I think there's reasons the players may not want that. You know, I, I think of, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to call them out here as having a particularly filthy mouth, but I don't think uh, LeBron James has a lot of interest in saying, you know, yeah, I know you just heard me cuss out my teammates, but come see Space Jam too with your kids like i just think i think that becomes a you know a question of uh, let's be careful and there's obviously clearly the coaches won't love the idea of that either and you know specific shouting but but i look at it a lot i think it's gonna be a lot like orlando summer league was back in the day where there were no fans there the only people in the gym were the the team personnel and media and then you know scouts and agents and the like so i think what you're going to be looking at from that perspective is you're just going to hear some of the stuff that's on the court you know you might hear really a lot of you know let them shoot you know those kind of things or you know get up on them and in that and not not as much of the you know real specific strategy or a lot of the you know real close in trash talking because i think they'll monitor that as best they can and then they'll put that on the broadcast crews really to kind of make sure that they are keeping up a steady continuous um you know conversation there instead of you know the best broadcast crews to me they know when to kind of shut up and get out of the way and let the crowd speak for what's happening in the game i think you'll have them have to carry that a lot more yeah to me as just like a nerdy play-by-play guy just how are they going to handle this moment because you're right you're you're really taught to just in a big moment like that let the crowd tell the story at times and you don't have that to fall back on anymore and you don't want to overdo it you don't want to over talk or anything but if but then again if you don't talk at all in this environment you're going to hear nothing on tv yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think that is, you know, a definite concern is they want to make sure, you know, that it comes off as a good broadcast. But I trust with the combination of the NBA, their broadcast partners and Disney, they'll have some really fun stuff planned that'll make this different. And I think they're going to take advantage. I think the NBA, one of the things that they do better than any other league out there is they take lemons and they make lemonade. And I think they'll really make this, you know, some and fun and something special where you know hey we might not look like this ever again but we're going to take advantage of it while we can so one more just true basketball question as we step away from the pandemic and things and kind of escape into basketball talk for a second 
do you think that this season we'll see young players or even some veterans play a lot better in the postseason, given the fact that there's not even no tra- there's no travel and there's no hostile environment. You're strictly playing basketball in this in this Walt Disney World plan. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is just basketball. I think it's going to be, um, you know, get get in there and um, uh, that that I think it's going to be get there, play basketball. If you're one of these teams that's kind of just playing out the string, get get good quality work in there so you're not going, you know, eight nine months without playing, you know, meaningful basketball in between there. And I think that's important to a lot of teams is let's let's do you know do that and let's make the most of this. And then I think for those those teams that are on the better side, it's it's just get get out there and well, we're going to play and we're going to do the best best we can. And I think you know for the younger guys, if it's a playoff environment, we see a lot of times sometimes those young teams they they will because those playoff crowds are a little more hostile it's a little bit tougher it's a little bit different basketball maybe those guys can hold up a little bit better so you're amazing with the salary cap so I wanted to ask you a couple of salary cap questions before we get out of here I mean you do great work with that number one is right now in baseball we're seeing the players and the owners really go at it about compensation and prorated contracts and it's a little bit different because they don't already have revenue sharing but has there any has there been any tension or, or discussions like that between the NBA and their owners no, not really. Um, there is a, uh, I think that the, there's two parts to that. One is I think the NBA has done a very good job of being very uh, upfront and forward with the players of here's what we're looking at. And, and I think Adam Silver telling them, you know, we're going to lose billions of dollars and the CBA has no mechanism to account for a billion dollar loss. You know, that's really important because you're owning it right off the jump. You're not trying to say it's anything different than what it really is. And I think that's really important. The other piece is the NBA um, really Adam Silver, and Michelle Roberts is the two, the heads of the two entities. So Adam Silver representing the team side and Michelle Roberts representing the player side have a fantastic relationship. They understand this is, you know, important. Let's, let's, you know, make this happen. And I think the fact that they involve the players in a lot of decisions, um, Adam Silver goes to them, he counsels them, they counsel him in return and they, they talk through things together, I think is important. And I think Michelle Roberts understanding um, of, you know, that's okay that that relationship exists. We don't have to be, you know, adversarial all the time from the player side. That's important where, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan and all I look every time I read a report is it looks like they're trying to do everything they can to never play again. <laughs> it's like, you know, let, let's, let's slip in a salary cap, you know, on them here, you know, and it's like, what in the world does that have to do with get this season going you know like, like to me that just seems like you know it's it's almost like uh you know we, we see not to get political but there's no you know this is bipartisan but it's you know hey we want to fix all the roads in our town okay but you need to be able to leave bars open till five in the morning like those two things aren't related but that's how the process works right and i i just kind of laugh as i go through that is like what, what are we doing here we need to be you know, a little bit smarter and a little bit better about this and i think the nba the working relationship between adam silver and michelle roberts and thus the, the the league and the players association is so huge here because they're allowed to really you know get through this together and in a situation like this where it's really catastrophic to the league they all trust we're all in the same boat here. We're all trying to make the best of this. So the salary cap again is your bread and butter. And I love all the work you do with the salary cap. So if anyone's going to know the answer to this question already, it's going to be you, but it feels like years ago that the, the China thing happened with Thera Mori, but it was only a couple months ago, but (laughs) given that, and given this pandemic, do you have any early indication of what the cap could look like whenever we get our off season this year? 
Yeah, what it would look like is if it um is if they strictly let it run through the uh, BRI formula, which is the basketball related income, which is basically that's the revenue split to get the players their fifty one percent and the owners their forty nine percent. Um, that if you just let it run through that. The, which helps set the salary cap. And I'm very much oversimplifying it there because I don't want to put anybody to sleep. Um, but it is the cap, instead of being of the projection of 115 million like it is for next year, it'd be about 90 million. Um, you know, maybe even less, might be like 85. It could be a 20 to 30 million drop from the projection. Just that's how much money has been lost through the combination of no game, no fans in arenas, games being canceled, and then potentially no TV. You could see the cap just that's a you know ridiculous and catastrophic drop for everybody. So I think what is more likely to happen is that the NBA with the players association is gonna say, we can't do that. We gotta scrap the normal way we do this let's do some special bargaining let's come to maybe we let it guide us to a point but then we put some bottoms in place so that we're not dropping all the way this far out which is really to the benefit of the players it allows them to you know keep more money and then it helps the owners on the back end because let's say in a year or two things are more back to normal you're not going to have this massive cap spike of you know 20 or 30 million away from where it was the prior year which allows things to really kind of gradually build back up and I think that's what you might see them do they might agree you know let's leave it at what it is this year versus there's projected to be about a six million dollar growth in the cap and instead of that let's leave it where it is or maybe we take it down to a hundred million versus you know these big drops of you know down into the 90 and you know 80 million range which would be you know really really hard on teams they could also negotiate to bring things in like let's not do the luxury tax for a year let's bring back the amnesty clause all those sorts of things i think it's all in play because this is something i think the nba is rightfully so they're putting their attention on how do we get back to play this year and then from there it's going to be more along the lines of all right we've got that figured out now we got to figure out next year and beyond because that you know starts to become you know just as important you know for a lot of these teams that are really they're not going to be a factor the rest of this year they want to know what they're working with in the coming seasons so you read my mind there is is the amnesty is that gaining any traction within the nba or right now is it kind of just a free-for-all yeah, there's, it's a little bit. The teams I've talked to, there's a handful of front offices that think it's a great idea and would love to bring it back. Now, those front offices have some bad contracts that I think they'd love to, to get out of with a get-out-of-jail-free card. And to be clear with the amnesty clause, the player still gets paid his full amount. The contract is just wiped off the salary cap. It doesn't exist anymore. And a lot of times for the player, it works out pretty cool. So if you, you know, amnesty a guy who's making $30 million and then another team signs him for $5 million, he could make $35 million next season which is you know great for him so I think think that there's definitely teams that are in support and just like with any other time the amnesty clause has been brought up there are teams that are like no way this is ridiculous we managed our books well why should we be punished you know because by allowing somebody else to get rid of those bad contracts off their books part of the reason why I think it is gaining a little bit more support than it has in prior years this isn't it's weird to say this as someone who's a huge cap guy, there's not a ton of bad contracts sitting on teams books anymore. There, there's not as many of those. It used to be, I, I write a piece every year of, you know, the, the least tradable contracts. I used to have, you know, 30, 40 contracts to pick from for a 10, 10, uh, the ranking of the top 10. And 
that doesn't, it's a little harder to get to, to, you know, fill that article out now, which is a you know really good thing for the league. And part of that is we haven't seen a big cap jump and there hasn't been, you know, these questionable free agent classes in a couple of years. So I think that was coming and it'll cycle back eventually. But right now it's the, you know, if you went through a lot of these teams don't have one that you would say, Oh yeah, there it is. That's who you'd use it on. So given the play on the court this year and the salary cap implications, what would you put Chris Paul's value at right now? I think he's a positive value. I think he was so good this year. He's going to be an all NBA guy, most likely. Um, You know, I'd be kind of surprised if he isn't. I think he has shown he has the ability to play at a very high level. And the fact that there's two years left on that deal, I think you feel comfortable next year. Maybe there's a little slippage, but that's still an all-star level player. And then maybe that last year, that's where you say, all right, maybe he's a little bit below, you know, all-star level. But, you know, if you had asked me a year ago, I might've been like, yeah, that might be the one you amnesty and get rid of if you could um but now i think you know you're happy to do that and i you know we're not hearing as much of you know well if the thunder want to get off that contract they're gonna have to use one of their approximately 700 extra draft picks to to get off that deal they're there i don't think that's the case anymore i think you have several teams in the league that would happily you know give the thunder you know assets for that i don't think you're returning a massive you're not getting the paul george package you got um because that's probably never going to happen again um but but i think think it would be um you know I, th- I think you could still you know get a get a good young player or two and you know um you know get you're gonna have to take back a big salary just on the matching you know salary matching rules but you could also look at it as you know hey and get get back a couple of decent draft picks you know at least one um good draft pick and maybe a good young player because Chris Paul is playing at such a high level so Keith this has been awesome and just tell the people where they can go and find you on Twitter and all of your work that you do because you do do great work and I was so happy for you that you got to really make this your full-time gig sadly the pandemic came but I was really happy for you prior to that and now but where can they find you yeah you know and, and I will say on that everything will work out the way it's supposed to it'll all be good if nothing else I uh the Venn diagram of my two big passions in life intersected in the weirdest way possible which is <laughs> is uh is, is pretty cool um but yeah you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA you can find my written work at Yahoo Sports at realgm.com and then you can also find it uh if you're looking for Boston Celtics specific coverage which I know a ton of locked on thunder fans are probably dying for uh, but you can find that at Celtics blog um, and then on Twitter, I'm you know pretty active on there. I you know I'll comment on just about anything um, that's going on with the league, especially right now. This has been awesome. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Y'all stay safe. You and yours. Be good and be good to one another. And we'll see you next time on Locked On Thunder, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.